And may if you turn your Bibles, please, to the book of uh, 1 Samuel chapter 14, 1 Samuel chapter 14 uh, this morning. And I love how in 1 Samuel we have gotten to see, as we've talked about how to develop a heart after uh, God, that we've actually got to see uh, alternating examples of people who've had a great heart for God and people who have not had a heart for God. And we get to see the difference in these people and how it affects their lives and how it really manifests itself. And I think what we can really understand as what we see and what we saw last week, uh, and this sort of picks up with that, is that we saw that the people were hidden. They had a great initial victory uh, for God after Samuel, after uh, Saul had been made king. But now the Philistines had summoned up their army, and now they're angry and mad, and now they're ready to come after them. And all of a sudden, Saul and all the Israelite people, they get scared. They get scared and they get hidden even though that they had the assurance of knowing that God was on their side, and they got to see God do a great work through them, and God to work on behalf of them, but now they were running and they were scared. And I think when you come and see the difference between those that we see in this book who have had a faith of God, we think about people like Eli, we think about people like Samuel, Uh, We think about people like uh, Jonathan, who we'll see this morning, and we think about people like David, who we will encounter uh, further on. We think about them and their great faith and how they had a heart after God, but we think about the contrast of some of the other people like we saw, like Eli's children, and we saw and what we see here in Saul, and we see kind of the difference that really makes the difference of whether or not you have a heart after God or not. It simply, I think, comes down to this. Is is God merely a part of your life? Or rather, is God, if He is your life, is God merely just a part of your life? Or is God really your life? Is all of your essence, is all of your being, is all of your life drawn in and surrounded in and rooted in God, or is he merely just a part? There's a lot of people in churches today, and we may have some here this morning. I pray that we don't, that God is a part of their life. Now, it may be a big part. They make great commitments to read Scripture. They make great commitments to be at church. They make great commitments to do uh, to do things for him and to be generous and to make contributions. But, you know, it really begins to show up in their life when they face difficult times and when they face hard decisions, when they are put in an opportunity to make a decision of whether or not you're going to follow God or follow the world, a lot of times they choose to follow the world. A lot of times they take on the world's ways when it's more convenient because God is merely a part of their life. But for those, but for those to whom God is their life, to those to whom that God rules over everything, we see a difference in them. In that everything that they face, they have confidence in God, knowing that He's there and knowing that He will deliver them, knowing that His ways are the best ways, knowing that He will bring them through it. So I want to ask you this morning, 
as we read these verses. Do you have confidence in God? Do you have confidence in His ability to not only save you, but to bring you through the hardships and the difficulties and the ups and downs in life? So let's read our scripture this morning. In First uh, Samuel chapter 14, it says, One day Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over, over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul, uh, Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gilbath in the pomegranate cave in Migon. And the people who were with him were about 600 men, including Abijah, the son of of Hittab, Ichabob, brother, uh, Ichabob's brother, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord in Shiloh, wearing the ephod. And the people did not know that Jonathan had gone within, within the pass by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrisons. There was a rocky, uh, a rocky crag on the one side of the rocky crag and on the other side. The man... Uh, the name of the one was Bozaz, and the name of the other was Sineth. And the one crag rose to the north in front of, of Michmash, and the other one rose to the south in front of Gibbon. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised, uh, and it may be that the Lord will work for us for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And this armor-bearer said to him, Do all this that is in your heart. Do as your wish. Behold, I am with you and with your heart and soul. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word, Lord, and how it guides us. Lord, and I just pray, Lord, as we spend just a few minutes, Lord, that you'll, get, you'll prick our hearts, Lord, and that you'll encourage us, Lord, to have confidence And Lord, knowing that whatever we face and whatever trouble may come about, Lord, you are there with us. And Lord, you have the power to save us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The people were hidden and they were scared. They were scared because of the Philistines. And we read at the end of chapter number 13 of how bad the situation had got for the people of Israel that they were looking at the possibility of growing, uh, going to war against the Philistines, but yet nobody except for Jonathan and except for Saul had a sword. As a matter of fact, there was no blacksmith in the whole region. The Philistines had pretty much outlawed, and if you wanted your plow, and if you wanted any of your other implements or tools uh, sharpened, you had to go to the Philistines to get that done. And so it was... Uh, an unbelievable circumstance that they were facing. It was unbelievable odds that they were facing. And so therefore, they were hidden. They were paralyzed by the situation that they had faced. And have you ever faced a situation in your life where you just seem paralyzed, where it just seems that you don't know what to do, you don't know how to act, you don't really see any way out of it? And you think, man, we're just, we're just lost. We're just stuck. We're just going to have to deal with this problem. And that's a lot of times the way that we are because we don't face our life with a confidence knowing that God can do something about it. So everybody else was fear in fear. Everybody else was paralyzed, but then there was Jonathan. And Jonathan said, look, 
Let's go look and see. Let's go look and see if there's an opportunity. Let's go look and see if there's something that God can do. Let's go see if we can have an opportunity to get our way out of this mess. Let's look and see if God will in some way bring us deliverance. Jonathan was looking for an opportunity to get out of the mess that they were in. You know, sometimes we just accept life for the way it is. You know, a lot of times we say, you know what, um, We'll think about the, the sin that we may have in our life, whether it be a sins with, with, uh, with temper, whether it be a, a sin with uh, bad relationships, or whether it be sin with, with, uh, with drinking or anything else that we may do, or it may be a situation with our, with our family. And you know what? We just sort of accept. We just sort of accept that's the way it's always going to be. You know what? I'm never really going to have a good relationship with my wife. I'm never going to really have a good relationship with my children. This is the way that it's always going to be. And we just sort of sit and we just sort of accept it, don't we? It's a lot easier on our hearts that way. Because if we try to say, hey, let's do something to fix it. And we try, we do something, it fails. And, you know, we go that up and then we face that down. And it's just a, it's just a, a hard thing for our hearts to do. And so what we'll usually do is we'll just sort of accept. We'll just accept the way that things are. And we'll just sit and we'll groan in our misery talking about how bad things are. But here was Jonathan. Jonathan was like the 18. Jonathan was like MacGyver. You know, the 18, they'd always had him locked in the closet or they had him locked in the shed. And, um, and they were like, well, they can't get out. And they didn't just sit there and say, well, I guess we're just locked here till somebody comes and save us. No, they started looking around. They started looking around at what they could use. They started looking around to see if there's some way, there's got to be something, they would said, that would give us the opportunity to be able to get us out of that mess. And sometimes, and most of the times, it was unconventional. But rather, they still found a way. And there was Jonathan saying, I know we're in a bad situation, but let me just look around. Let me just keep a watch out to see if there may be a way to which God would deliver us. And so they started, he started looking around, and they come to this cliff, and they're on the either side of these mountains, and they're in this mountain pass, and all of a sudden they look up on the cliff, and they see the garrisons of the Philistines, and, and uh, Jonathan looks at his armor bearer and said, hey, why don't we just go up there? and give it a shot. Why don't we just go up there and try? Why don't we just go up there and see how it works out? Notice the faith that he had. He said in his heart, hey, let's look for an opportunity. Then he looked up there and saw the garrison of the Philistines, and then it came into the heart, hey, let's just go up there and see how it goes. Let's go over there and try it. Let's go up there and give it a shot and see if God can do something through us. Let's just go give it a shot to see if God would somehow work it out. I know we're not strong enough in our own strength. I know we're outnumbered. I know we're outgunned. Hey, but why don't we just give it a shot to see how it works out? Notice how different that is in the way that we face and the way that we face opportunities when we have for God. First of all, we don't look for opportunities to serve the Lord, do we? We have to wait till somebody will come up to us and they'll beg us. 
they'll plead with us. Hey, will you do that? Hey, will you come and, and help with the children? Hey, hey, will you come serve in this area? Hey, will you go talk to these people? Hey, will you do this? And we're like, well, well, I don't know. I'll pray about it. I'll think about it. And then we'll start listing off all our infirmities and all our lackness and all of the reasons why we couldn't do it and all the sort of excuses that we made instead of being like Jonathan and seeing and looking for an opportunity and seeing an opportunity and say, hey, let's just give it a shot. Let's just give it a shot to see how it works out. Let me go to that person and let me ask him. Let me ask him and talk to him about Jesus. But we don't seize that opportunity, do we? We're like, well, no, they're going to ask me a question that I don't know. They're going to make fun of me. They're going to laugh at me. We never say, hey, let me go up there and try. And let's just see. Let's just see what the Lord does through it. Why can't we have that type of confidence in God? A confidence in God that strengthened us and emboldened us to a point where we will just give something a shot and see if God will work through it. And then if it doesn't work, we try again. And we try one more time. And we try again, always believing that the Lord is able to work through us. Let's not be scared, but rather let's have confidence in God. And so he said, let's give it a shot. And why did he have say, why did he, was he able to say with such boldness, hey, let's go up there and let's give that a shot? Well, because he believed that God had the ability to do it. He believed that God could defeat this garrison. He believed that God wanted to defeat them. He believed that God wanted to save the people. And he believed that God had the power to do it. And so he had great confidence in God's power. He said, I wasn't thinking about what I can do, but I was rather thinking about what God can do through me. And let me tell you about all the things that God can do. Do you know that God can create stuff out of nothing? I hope you believe that because that's why you're here. I believe that God can move mountains. I believe God can feed the hungry. I believe that God can heal the sick. I believe that God can cast out demons and deliver people from things like depression and things like that. Do y'all believe that? Do y'all believe that God is able? Do y'all believe that God is able to heal your relationships? Do you believe that God is able to get you through hard times? Do you believe that God is able to save even the most lost and some of the most impossible as far away from God as they could be, sinner, and bring him to Jesus. We have to have confidence in God's power. And if we don't have confidence in God's power, then we will be paralyzed in all of our situations, and we will never seek to step out of our comfort zone and just give something a try for the sake of God. But if we have confidence in God's power, knowing that he will do anything, then we know that we can face anything. And so why not 
Just give it a try and see what God wants to do. Not only did he have confidence in God's power, but he also had confidence in God's ability to work through him. And I think that's what we have to understand in our life is that it's not about us and it's not about our strength and it's not about our power, but it's about God's ability and desire to work through you and me. And I don't know why God does it. I don't know why God wants to work through me. I don't know why God just doesn't do it all by himself. When uh, there's uh, you know, somebody that he wants to, uh, to save, why don't he just come down and talk to him? Because he'll do a lot better job than I do. I don't know why God wants to uh, use us to reach out to the needy. Couldn't God just uh, feed them like Jesus did while he was on earth, but yet he chooses to work through us. God in his glory, God in his sovereignty, chooses us, his people, to be his hands and feet to accomplish his will upon this earth. All he needs for us to be obedient. And all he needs for us to be obedient is for us to have the confidence that God can use you. And that God can use you. And that God can use me to do not only little things, but also great things. And there's no limit to what he can do for you. But we go back to we make excuses. Well, you don't know about my past. You don't know about my limitations. You don't know about my attitudes. You don't know about this. Well, I don't, but God does. And God knows all those things about you, and even some of those things I don't know about you. But he still wants to use you, and he still wants to use me. But all we have to do is lay off all of those excuses and realize it's not about me and to realize it's not about you, but just to present ourselves to God and say, God, use me. Are we willing to let God work through us? Are we willing to let God use us? Are we really to stop saying it's about us, but to have confidence in, our, in, uh, in God, confidence in his power and confidence for his desire to work through us. And if we have that confidence, then we will every day live our lives looking for opportunities here in this world to say that, hey, you know, I know this world is in a mess, but I'm not just going to accept the fact that this world is in a mess. I want to do something about it. And so I'm looking for opportunities. And then I see an opportunity. And I say, God, let's give this a try to see if you're at work. But too many times we'll just complain. We complain about the state of the church. We complain about the state of the world. We complain about the state of the youth. We complain about the state of of, uh, our schools. We complain about the state of the economy. We just complain, complain, complain. And when we're done complaining, we'll uh, sit down in our recliners at night and we'll turn on the news and we'll listen to them complain and let them complain for us. And we just complain, 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 but never thinking 
to look for the opportunity of how God can use us to make this world better. How God can use us to make our families better. How God could use us to make our schools better. How God can use us to make a difference in our youth if we'll only stop making excuses and start looking for opportunities and just give it a try. So what happens? What happens when we let go and give it a try to see what God will do? Well, here's what they did. They said, well, here's what we're going to do. We just don't want to go all willy-nilly. We're going to let God give us a sign. We want to see if God really is in this. And this is probably good uh, advice for us to really see if God would be in what we were doing, that we should in some way pray about it. So what was theirs? Well, they're going to be a sign. We're going to walk up there, and uh, if they just kind of uh, ignore us, we'll just kind of move on. But if they say, hey, come up here, then we'll know that's a sign from God, and that's when we'll act. And so let's see what happens. Let's see what happens when we allow God to work through us, when we put off the excuses and give it a try. Let's pick up verse 12. It says this. It says, And the men of the garrison held Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up here, and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said to the armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has given them, given us into the, given them into the hands of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet, and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer, killing them after him. And the first strike with Jonathan and his armor bearer uh, made killed about 20 men within as were half a furlough's length in an acre of land. And there was a panic in the camp and in the field and among all the people in the garrisons, even in the raiders that trembled. And the earth quaked and it became a very great panic or it could be a panic from God. And the, and, the, and the watchman of Saul at Gibbeth of Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude was uh, dispersing here and there. And then Saul said to the people were, who were with him, Count to see who has gone from us. And when they had counted, behold, Jonathan and his armor bearer uh, were not there. So Saul said to Abimejad, uh, Bring the ark of God here, for the ark of God went at this time with the people of Israel. Now while Saul was taking the, talking to the priest, a turmoil in the camp of the Philistines increased more and more. So Saul said to the priest, Withdraw from your land. And Saul and all the people who were with him rallied uh, and went into the battle. And behold, all the Philistine swords were against his fellow. And there was very great confusion. Now the Hebrews uh, who had been with the Philistines before that time, and who had gone up with them into the camp. And ever they also turned to be with the Israelites, who were with Saul and Jonathan. Look at what happens. Look at what happens when we see the opportunity. When we say to God, hey, let's give it a shot. Let's just see what God will do. When we have confidence in God's power, when we have confidence in God's ability to use it, when we put off the excuses and try something, what we usually will wind up doing and what Jonathan did by just giving it a shot, by just making himself available, is that he un, 
unleashed God's miraculous power. A lot of times we want the miracles first, right? We want God to do something great and we just sort of follow in line. But it's our step of faith that usually has to come first, where we have to step out and say, God, I'm going to give it a shot. And we go out there just like Jonathan did with his sword. He went up there and said, I'm going to give it a shot. It unleashed God's miraculous power. When we just sit there, we won't see God move because he's waiting. He's waiting for us to take that step of faith. But once we step out in faith, and once we go out there and give it a try, and once we get it going, then we unleash God's miraculous power. God's just waiting. God's just waiting to unleash His power in our church, in our communities, in our families, and all around. But all His people are just sitting, waiting for God to do something, not believing they can do nothing. But God's just waiting, waiting for you and for me to step out in faith. And when we step out in faith, then that's really when we get to see God at work. And not only does our moving, not only does our going out and give it a shot cause uh, God to unleash his wondrous works, but it also inspires confidence in others. Once they heard this commotion, of what uh, was happening. They looked around and saw, said, well, let's take a count and let's see who's not here. And they looked around and they saw Jonathan and his armor bearer wasn't here. And then they looked around and, man, and they saw the Philistines scattering. They heard earthquakes. They heard noises. They heard commotion. And they realized that God was doing something. And it inspired them to come out of their caves. It inspired those who came uh, to come out of their holes and to fight boldly and to fight with strength, and to fight with courage because somebody was willing to get it started. And so for us, giving it a shot, for us going out there and stepping on faith and trying, not only unleashes God's power, but it also gives strength to those around us who will follow in. And not only did it get uh, some of those But it also got some of those, it said, of the Israelites who had joined in with the Philistines. It brought some people back to God. When we step out on faith, when we allow God to use us, when we don't let fear get in our way, when we don't just accept things the way that they are, but to seek for an opportunity and go after it. We get to see God work. We get to inspire other people to come in behind us. And through that example of faith, it can bring the lost or the wayward back to Him. So where are you this morning? Is God just a part of your life? Or is God your life? Do you have confidence in God? Do you have confidence in his salvation? Do you have confidence in his power? Do you have confidence in his desire to work through you? Do you have confidence in believing that he wants wants to work for you to improve your life 
to witness to the people around him and to further his kingdom. Are you willing to push off all of the excuses and just say, here am I, God. I see this opportunity and I'm just going to give it a shot. And I'm just going to watch back and let you work through it. Let's be people who are willing to attempt great things for God. And let's unleash the power of God on this church and in our communities and in our families, in our schools and in our countries. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful, Lord, for your almighty, your all-powerful, and Lord, that you're all-knowing, and Lord, that you're omnipresence, you're always here, you're here among us now, speaking to each of our hearts. And Lord, as you speak to us this morning, I pray, Lord, that you'll give us courage, courage to have confidence in you, and courage to step out and attempt things for you, not worrying about our skills and abilities, but just having confidence in your desire to work through us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stay.